you would bow with me before we open God's word together. Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you that your word is living and active, that it is life-giving, is, uh, that you create through your word and you recreate through your word. And we pray this morning that as we open your word together, we spend time uh, seeking you in it, that you would meet us in this place, that you would lead and guide us, that your Holy Spirit would teach us, that you would uh, convict us of sin, convict us of areas that we're not trusting in you, but we pray that you also would come alongside and do your work of pointing us fully to Jesus and the acceptance and the love that is found completely and totally in Him. And so we just ask that you would be our teacher this morning, that you would lead and guide our time. Uh, We pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I said we're going to be in Colossians 4, and that's that's partly true. We're actually going to spend a lot of time in 1 Corinthians as well, 1 Corinthians 12. And so if you want to open to Colossians 4 that we read just a second ago, and then maybe keep your finger in 1 Corinthians 12, because we're going to look at both. Both of those today, mostly our time in 1 Corinthians 12. But um, I've mentioned uh, multiple times, or if you know me at all, you know that uh, I'm a big basketball fan. I love basketball. I grew up watching basketball a lot. When I was in high school in particular, my brother and I were obsessed with like the NBA. We watched like every game. We were all about uh, basketball back then, more so than now. I find myself not watching it quite as much these days. But back then, we were big into it. My senior year in high school, I'm going to date myself, 1995 was my senior year in high school. Uh, The best team that ever played, uh, historically, as far as uh, records go, uh, won the uh, NBA championship in 1995. And so some of you may have an idea of who that is. What, 72 and 10, the best record ever in the history of the NBA, the Chicago Bulls. I see Dan smiling. He's from Chicago. So, of course, he'd go, yes, that's Michael Jordan, considered the greatest player who's ever lived. Uh, not considered. Anyone who knows anything about basketball knows Michael Jordan is the greatest player who ever lived. But Michael Jordan and a bunch of other people, Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen in particular, were the two best players. And they are still considered uh, two of the 50 greatest players that ever lived. But if you look at that team that went 72 and 10, that had the best record ever, they only lost two games in the playoffs. And so they went all the way through the playoffs and won the championship. But you look at everybody else on that team, it'll be a bunch of people you never heard of. It'll be people like uh, Luke Longley was the starting center. And you have no idea who that is because he's a big, goofy, redheaded guy from Australia. Uh, You have all these players uh, that were on that team that were just kind of like the role players. You had these two really great players and then you had all these parts around them. And you'd look at them on paper and you'd look at all these guys, or if you even saw who they were and you looked at their stats, you'd go, how is that the best team that's ever been? It's because they fit perfectly together. They knew their roles. They knew how to play together. They knew to give the ball to Michael Jordan and get out of the way most of the time. But that's part of what was so great about that team is they knew how to play together. And there were all these different individuals, but they all had their gifts. They all did their certain parts really well, and they went really well together. And so they ended up being the possibly the best team that's ever played because they played so well together. It was that perfect mix that go together. Now, I say that because I just read to you Colossians uh, chapter four, the end of it anyway. And you have all this list of all these different people that Paul begins to give greetings to and thank and talk about. And he does that at the end of the letter. He does that a lot at the end of his letters. He says, hey, make sure you remember this guy. Say hello to him. So and so sends their their greetings, all these kind of things. And you get this list. And as you start to look down that list, you start to see all the people that were involved in Paul's ministry and his life that God was using in all these different ways that he was using in the church in Colossae and some in Laodicea and some hadn't even been there. But they were all different people that were helping Paul in all these different ways. 
And when you start to look at the list of people and who was there and what they did and how they did it, you get a really varied list of people gifted in very different ways, kind of like the Chicago Bulls were with all these different guys that went together. Paul's surrounded by all different sorts of people that had different gifts and different things. But together, God was using greatly for the spread uh, of his church. He was using all these different gifts and how they went together. And so the way I want us to look at this this morning, to look at this text, to look at the end of this, and you could read through that and go, where are we going with that? Right. There's a lot of just uh, shout outs to different people and different ones. And you kind of go, well, where do we go with that? Well, I think what we're going to see and what we're going to talk about, especially as we look at it in light of what Paul says in First Corinthians 12, is that God uses a varied group of people for his uh, purposes, for his glory in all different ways. And that comes right on the heels of what we talked about last week. If you were here with us last week in, uh, in Colossians for the beginning of that chapter, we talked about God's mission and him going out for his glory, wanting to use us, uh, being watchful in prayer, praying for open doors that we may speak the truth of who Jesus is, uh, being gracious, seasoned with salt, walking into the opportunities that God gives us for the spread of his name. And I said last week, that's all of our calling. We're all called to be part of that as a church, as a family of missionary servants. That's the way we said it last week. And I think you can see that real clearly in Scripture. I pointed you last week to, to John 20, where Jesus says, uh, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And then he tells them to receive the Holy Spirit. We are a sent people. And we all have a role to play in that. But when we look at 1 Corinthians 12 and we look at the end of Colossians 4, what we get is we all have different roles. God's given us different ways that come together in the body to do this. And so, yes, it is all our calling, but it might look a little different for one person versus the other. And I think it's really neat when you start to see this list of all the people that were involved with Paul and what was going on with them and the way that works. And so as we look at this this morning, I want this to be the reality of all our lives, that we are a family of missionary servants seeking God's glory in everything we do and how we do that together. You catch right in the middle of Colossians 4, Paul says, Epaphras, who is one of you. We actually know uh, from earlier, if you were here at the beginning, when we were at the beginning of Colossians 1, that Epaphras most likely is the church planner, the guy that first came with the gospel. Remember in Colossians, Paul sent him out to go. And so in 4.12, it says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you. Always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand, stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. And so I echo that, that we would all stand mature, fully assured of the will of God, knowing what God wants to do and how he wants to use us and what that looks like. And so this morning, I want us to think on that idea. It's very similar to something that Paul says way back at the beginning of Colossians. If you've been with us, we started Colossians in January. This year we've been going through the book and we're going to finish it up today. But in Colossians 1, Paul says this. And so from the day we've heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And so where I'm going this morning, what I'm pointing you to is I want to see all of us bearing fruit, all of us being part of God's mission, all of us seeing ourselves as uh, servant missionaries, as a family together sent for God's glory. But when we look at this picture and as we'll look in First Corinthians 12, what I want us to see here 
is that God has different kind of roles for each of us to play, but they're all important. And so the three things I want us to look at where we're going this morning is, is that as we talk about our calling together, every single person here, if you can hear my voice, you have an indispensable role to play in the spread of God's glory. God wants to use you. And that means everybody. And so the way I want us to think on this and look at this today is that we all have a part to play. Every single one of us to every one of us is different. I don't have to tell you that, but every one of us is different. And then lastly, even though every one of us is different, we all have a role to play. They're all valuable. They're all vital to what God's doing. Every one of you. The way God's gifted you and what he's doing in your life, he wants to use for his glory. And that's for all of us. And so I want us just to think on that this morning as we finish Colossians chapter four. And so let's just start at the beginning with we all have a part to play in God's great story. And we said that last week as we looked at four, two to six, and we kept going back to those being sent, being watchful, looking for what God's open doors that he has for us, being ready to use the most of all the opportunities we come. Right? Paul says the, using the best use of time, and that really means opportunity, the things that present themselves, that we'd be ready to use those and be able to walk into that. And so when we read that and we hear Paul saying that, and we look at Colossians or we read any of the letters in the New Testament that Paul wrote, or we see all the incredible things that Paul did, we can easily start to kind of slip into thinking of this as Paul's ministry. It's Paul doing all these incredible things. And Paul did a lot of incredible things. He was obedient to the Lord. He followed where he was leading him. He went, he spoke boldly. He did all these incredible things as God was leading and guiding him. But the truth is, when you read this list that's in Colossians 4 and you begin to see all the people that he's talking about, there were a whole lot of people involved in Paul's ministry. It wasn't just Paul going and doing all these things solo. Yes, he would go out and he would go on these trips and he'd seek to do different things and he'd go city to city and he'd take different guys with him. And it was Mark or Barnabas or Timothy or Silas. He'd take these guys and he'd say, come with me and he'd go. But he'd go into a city. And he'd begin to proclaim the gospel and it would begin to take root and the church would begin to form. And then he'd begin to equip people. He'd begin to bring them up and set them loose and begin to see them do all these incredible things. And then he'd go back and visit these churches again where all this church had grown and done all these things as he left. And he would see how God was doing all this great work and using all these different people in this way. And so what scripture tells us is when we talk about being on mission what we're called to do and what that looks like, it's going to be as a body that we do that together. It's not going to be just, hey, we're going to send out two or three people and they'll go do this work and we'll all just sit back and pray for them. Although we should be praying for one another. And prayer is vital to what we're doing. But God's going to use all these gifts in all these different ways. And so I want you to look with me in 1 Corinthians 12 for just a minute. Because what we kind of see uh, just... Flesh, or we see kind of uh, in shadow, I'd say, in Colossians 4. There's all these people involved. Paul's talking about how they're great help to him, and they're faithful, and they're doing these things and all this stuff. He kind of fleshes that out in more detail in 1 Corinthians 12. And so I want us to look there for just a minute. Page uh, 623 in your pew Bible, if you're, if you're following along there, for 1 Corinthians 12. But I want us just to look at what he says, starting in verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 12. And so listen to what Paul says. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. 
And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And so he's talking about as you become a believer and the Holy Spirit comes into your life and he begins to do this work in you, he's given each one of you gifts in his Spirit. Right? Now look at what he says in verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And so the picture that Paul begins to paint here, and he uses this analogy of the body. Right? A physical body. And I'll talk about it in a minute. The ears and the eyes and the hands and the feet and how that works. And he says we're all part of the same body as the body of Christ. We're all part of that, but we're all different. God's gifted us in different ways. And so 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, he says it very, very clearly. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. And then notice what he says. For what? For the common good. The truth is God gives you the Holy Spirit as you put your faith in Christ. He comes in, he illuminates you, he brings you from spiritually dead to spiritual life, and he begins to gift you in different ways. And he says the reason that he gifts you is not for your own benefit, but for those around you. I'm gifting you for the good of others. I'm giving you these gifts so that you can go serve and love and care for other people. He says I'm gifting you that way. He says every single one of us when we become a believer is gifted and has that. We have some gift that God is giving us through the Spirit in our lives. And so last week as we were talking about this idea of looking for God's open doors and listening where he's leading and making the best uh, opportunity of our time. We were talking about all those things. Right? If you were here, heard several people say, man, God's convicting me, kind of calling me to to what uh, that would look like and where I should go. And I want you to think, sometimes I ask the question, well, who are you sent to? And he's saying, be open to God's leading, making the best use of opportunities, walking with wisdom towards outsiders. And so the question is, who are you sent to? And I want you to think for just a second and be real honest with yourself. As I ask that question, how many of you start to go in your mind and think about who you're sent to? And then when you think about it, it becomes an individual thing. Well, I'm sent to my neighbor. Uh, I'm sent to the guys I play basketball with. I'm sent to the people that live across the street from me. That's that's the way I think. Uh, I'm I'm confessing that's the way I think when I think of it. We almost always do that. Almost always in America today, if I say, who are you sent to? You think individually. I'm sent to this person in my life. The problem is. He says that God's given us, gifted us in all these different ways that we would work together for the body of Christ, that we don't have all the spiritual gifts. We need to be sent together, not just on our own. Now, that doesn't mean that you won't have some ministry and some opportunities and some relationships that you will come into contact with individually. But there's a picture in Scripture of us bringing together, coming together and going on mission together. And the reason is. Think about it for just what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 12. Why is that the reason? The reason is none of us, no one sitting here has all the gifts of the Spirit. You don't. None of us do. 
You may meet some people that are really, really gifted and you see them, the spirit moving and all these different. They still don't have all of it. And he says that he says he portions as he will. He gives parts and he gives us different things. And then he says he gives it to us for the common good. And I think part of this, part of the reason God works that way as sinful, self-centered, selfish people. If he gave us all the gifts, we'd be content that I've got all of them myself and I don't need anybody else. I think it's God's grace that he gives you gifts that I don't have and gives me gifts that you don't have and does it that way so that he'd kind of turn us inside out that we need other people. Because we were made to be relational. We were made to be in relationships with other people. We need other people as we walk through these things. And so God gives us these different gifts. And then he says, "Okay, now work together as one body. It's like if you've ever done this with your kids. I'll take with the boys and they're fighting and you'll give them half the toy. And you get half the toy. And if you guys want to play together, then good luck. Right? It's kind of like God graciously going, I'm going to give you some and you some and you some. We're going to put them together and then it's going to work together in this beautiful whole. But yet oftentimes we think just individually. It's what I'm going to do on my own and I'm going to go out. And, and the truth is, when we talk about what we were talking about last week, of, of looking for open doors and walking forward and what that looks like, that can be very scary when you start to think about doing it by yourself. You know the gifts you have or the way maybe God's gifted you and you go, oh, I'm not good at meeting people or I'm not good at this. Well, that's okay. You're not supposed to do it alone. We're supposed to be doing that together as a body. And so simply put, we're just at the beginning here is we all have a part to play in this. But the second thing I want us to think about is that every one of us is different. We all have a part to play in God's story and what he's doing, but we're all gifted differently. God's done that in different ways. When you start to look at this list that's in Colossians 4, I started to read through those names. I started this week and made a list and kind of went and researched and all I could find about these different people. You see a very uh, much varied group of people. They're from all different backgrounds, all different stuff, different gifts, different uh, ways that God's using them and what that looks like. And you start to get this list. You've got Jews and Gentiles. You've got men and women. You've got skilled workers and unskilled workers. You've got one guy that kind of has a shady background. You've got all these different things working together in this list. All these different people that are there. And it makes me think of what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 12, there in verse 13. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. We were all made to drink of one spirit. We now have a unity despite our varied backgrounds in Jesus. And now we have the same spirit indwelling us, even if we're completely different in our backgrounds. He says the same thing in Colossians. Paul likes to hit on that a lot. He talks a lot about the unity that we have in 3.11. He says there's not Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. And so we have a unity, even though we come from very very uh, different backgrounds. But then there's also a picture that it's not just that we have different backgrounds that we came from and now we're all the exact same in Christ. When we read 1 Corinthians 12, what we get is we've been gifted differently even now that we are in Christ. God gives us gifts in different ways, spiritual gifts for the good of the body, not for ourselves, but for others. And he gifts us in different ways in that. And so this picture here of that uh, we're all very different, but we need each other. And so look at what he says in 1 Corinthians 12. Look at uh, verse 14. For the body does not consist of one members, but of many. 
If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he does. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And so he paints that picture of a body, a physical body, to kind of point that picture. God's gifted us in different ways that some people are an eye and some people are an ear and some people are a hand. Some people are the big toe. You know how important your big toe is? It's hard to stand up without it. Right? And so all those things work together and they're all really, really important because God has gifted you in different ways for the good of those around you. And so that's true for each and every one of us. And so when I read through that list in Colossians 4, and I fall into that, that kind of view sometimes of, man, Paul was incredible and look at all that he did all on his own and all these things. And then I start to read this list of all these people that are there with him and praying for him and supporting him and walking with him and being equipped and doing all this work and all these things. The truth is, in Colossians, the church in Colossae, Paul's never even been there. If you were with us the first week, we actually talked about that. Paul's writing a letter to encourage these people, but he doesn't even know them because he's not the one that went there. He sent another guy, a papyrus, who went and helped plant this church. And so you start to read this list and you start to see these different people. You see a guy like Epaphras who is kind of on the front lines. What's next? Where are we going to plant another church? Where are we going? He's that kind of guy. And you need those kind of people in the body that are looking what's next and where do we go and how's that going to look? I guess he's probably a good personality. He's a guy that's easy to talk to. Right. Some of those things that are built into that type of personality. Or you look at uh, God, uh, Mark here. He talks about Mark. Most likely the same Mark that wrote the gospel of Mark. Right? He, he's a guy who is, uh, we know from Mark's gospel. Mark's gospel is essentially Peter's uh, firsthand account. And so Mark was writing down kind of what Peter's telling him. And so I'm filling in the gaps a little bit, but it seems to me that Mark kind of had some administrative gifts. That he could come alongside and go, hey, I'll write this down for you and I'll keep this and I'll walk with you in this. And so you see very different personality, very different gifting than even Epaphras, the other guy. Or you start to read down through the list and you've got this guy, Onesimus. We know about him because he's kind of the main subject of Paul's letter in Philemon. He was a runaway slave who left his boss and ended up in prison. That's where we think he met Paul. So he's got a checkered past. He's made some mistakes. He hasn't upheld his end of his bargain as he entered this agreement with his master. And so Paul writes this letter on his behalf in Philemon and says, this dude is solid. You need to have him back. God is doing a work in him and he's going to use him. And so you see all these different people and the way God's working in them. You have Luke who wrote Luke and Acts. It says Luke, the beloved physician, he was a doctor. He was a bright dude. He was a doctor. And then God started to use him and he began to write these things down. He became a great historian because he wrote Luke and Acts. And he tells us all this picture and what all this looks like. And so God used him. Here's a skilled worker who's good at his job, is doing these things. And he's using the gifts that he knows that he has for God's glory. And so thank God for Luke. Paul says that over the beloved physician. 
Right? He obviously cares greatly for him because Luke's helped in a lot of ways. And then you get down, he says, greet Nympha and the church that meets in her house. We don't know a whole lot about this lady other than she's opened her house for the church to come and gather together. Which is a really cool picture. God gifts some people with the gift of hospitality. And you may go, I'm really bad at meeting people. And you talk about looking for God's open doors and sharing the gospel and doing those things. Your role as we go forth as servant missionaries together might just be opening your house up. Hey, you invite the people and you can come to my house. That's the way God works and all these things. And he brings us together and they're all equally valuable. That's what you see in 1 Corinthians. The hand is just as important as the eye, as the ear, so on and so forth. They're all valuable. And they all work together to show what God's doing in in more clear picture. And so this picture here is you have all these different people and all these different gifts and all these different people feeding into this work that's going on. I just want to ask the question, who do you most relate to? Maybe you look at that list and you go, I don't really relate to any of those people on the list. Well, there's a lot of spiritual gifts, a lot of ways that God wants to use you in different things. And they're all equally valuable and they're all equally important. And we need each one of you bringing your gifts together for the good of those around you. That's every single one of us. And so we're all very different, but we're all needed in this. And God wants to use you in this picture. He says that right at the beginning of Colossians 1. I read it just a second ago. But he says, I'm praying for you. I want to see this in you, that you would be bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Sometimes people will get real kind of overwhelmed and I don't know what my gifts are and I'm not sure what that looks like. I'm not sure that I'm equipped to bear fruit. I want you to think about what you're saying. When you put your faith in Christ, you are now in Christ with God. You have the very living God, the Holy Spirit living inside you. Gifting you supernaturally in ways beyond anything you can imagine. And when we say, I don't know that I'm equipped to do that. Do you hear what you're saying? The very living God of the universe has taken up residence inside of you and wants to use you to bear fruit. You are equipped to do many wonderful, great things for God's glory and his fame. Whether you realize it or not. And that's every single person here. And God wants to use every single person here in that together. And so we all have a part to play in that. And when we start to look at this picture, we're going to end here this morning. But not only do we all have a part to play in that, not only are we very different in how those works, but each one's equally valuable. God's going to use those in different ways. And he needs us to be in part of that. Actually, step back. I'm not going to say it that way. God doesn't need us. He chooses to use us. Right? He doesn't need us. He could do all of this without us. But it's so wonderful that he loves us so much that he says, I'm going to give you my spirit and I'm going to give you specific gifts and then I'm going to use you anyway. Even though I don't need to use you, I want to use you for my glory and for your good. What a wonderful God that does that, that allows us to be part of it. And so he wants to use this in that. And so when we think of all these parts and how they're invaluable to the mission of what God's doing, we need church planners. We need people that are like Epaphras that are going, hey, where are we going next? What's that look like? We need people that think that way. We need people who are rich in hospitality to go, hey, yeah, you can come to my house. Come meet at my house. Let's invite people there. We need people that want to just serve. 
They go, man, I have the gift administration and I'll come and help do the books. Right? We need people like that. We need all these things working together in the way God has gifted. And they're all equally valuable. Sometimes we can fall into this thinking that the guy like Epaphras that goes and plants the church, that he's the superstar, and the guy that does the books is kind of back here. They're both equally valuable and important. They're both God is gifted in different ways, and they're both very important. So wherever you are, don't fall into that lie that one's greater than the other. In the Spirit, walking by what God's done, you walk in the gifts that He's given you. And that's a wonderful and beautiful thing, and we need all different kinds in that. And when we start to recognize this, and we see this, we talk all the time about we want to be a church of disciples who makes disciples. That's the mission of the church. Make disciples. That's what Jesus says. Go and make disciples of all nations. And when you start to see how equally valuable people are, you see why discipleship is so important because we need everybody involved. You look at the way Paul went and what he does and what you see in Colossians 4. He took all these people as he's speaking and he's preaching and he's doing that and he sets them loose and he goes, great, go do this. Epaphras, go plant that church, man, and I got your back. Go. And you see the way that happens. When we see healthy growth, when we see bearing fruit, there's going to be multiplication. That's the picture of disciples who make disciples. It's, it's putting people, identifying their gifts and saying, great, go do that. We need you to do that as we go together. It's not just one over the other. And so we see that. Point this out to you. If you haven't been here with us for long, those of you that have. We've seen that here at Church of the Apostles the last couple of years, and it's really exciting when you think about it. It's almost a year ago to right now that Chris, our associate pastor, Chris Fogelsong, went to plant a church in Jasper. And I had people well-intentioned for good reason, nothing negative about this question, but people would come to me and go, how can you let him leave? Why would you let him do that? Why would, you, why would we have him go to Jasper? Right? We need Chris. And my answer was, how can we not send him to Jasper? God's gifted him in different ways to be a gatherer. He's one of those people. He knows everybody in Jasper right now. A year later. That's who, how God's gifted him. And so pointing him to what God's doing and saying, yes, go do that. If we're going to be bearing fruit and following the Spirit and doing what God's called us to do, we're going to be giving away a lot of resources. Over and over and over again. Right? We need other people to step up into those places when that happens and then healthy growth and multiplication continues to happen. It's the same thing with Mark and Hannah. Those of you that knew Mark and Hannah Manning, Mark used to lead the music and work in the office here and now he works for Campus Crusade. And he said, man, I feel like God's calling me to this. And it's like, yes, go. If you feel like God's calling you to that, you better not let us get in the way. We should be sending people out like that. And we want to see that happening because that's the way that happens. That's the way healthy growth and maturity happens. We're identifying gifts and putting those people in position and then going, yes, go. And we need to be doing that as a body together all the time, supporting one another. We need all the gifts. Whatever, wherever God has gifted you, we need you walking in those things. If we want to be serious about God's glory and his mission in this body together, we need every one of you. We need all people doing that. And so as we end this morning, I want to end with just this as we end Colossians. We're all called. We're all to be part of this. We're all gifted in different ways. God needs to use, wants to use all of us in those. 
That's every one of us. And it's easy to forget or to begin to slip into this kind of thinking of it's like, oh, I'm not doing this as well as I should and I need to do this. Right? To kind of be shamed into it. Oh, I'm not, I'm not engaging in the way I should and so I feel bad about it and so now I should do it. Or it's easy to slip into, oh, I'm not sure what my gifts are and I need to get on that so that God will be more pleased with me. God will be really happy with me when I begin to exercise my gifts in this way. Please do not do that. God loves you completely and totally, wholly, fully right now because of what Jesus has done. And it's not dependent on your uh, works. It's not dependent on how hard you work or those different things you do. That's not what we're saying. Please don't let that be what you hear. God already loves you. He's already excited about you. God will never love you more than he does right now. He cannot love you more than he does right now. When you are in Christ, you have the fullness of his love. But because of your identity in Christ and what he's done for you, and we trust him and we want to grow in obedience to him, we begin to live out of that. Our identity now is the Holy Spirit indwells us and he's sending us. We're sent. Because of who we are in Christ, we're meant to serve other people because that's who Jesus is. Because of our father and because we have that relationship with him and we're part of his family, we're a family now. And so we get to live that out as we go in response to what he's already done, knowing that our love is secure and complete and total in him. But the greatest joy is found in seeking to point others to him. Does that make sense? Please don't hear that I'm going to earn more of his love by doing these things. What's going to happen is you're going to experience his love more fully as you begin to serve him in all these things. You're going to begin to see more clearly the love that he already has for you fully, completely, and totally. And so when we talk about this and talk about your gifts and our mission and our ministry and where we want to go together, it's because I want your joy. Because God wants your joy. You were made to glorify your heavenly father and he's gifted you in specific ways to do so. And your joy is going to be full as we begin to see him more clearly, the more we see him. And so that's why we say that. And so as we as we end Colossians, we'll start a new series next week. But as we end Colossians, please hear that God loves you and he wants to use you. I'm excited about what he's going to do with this body right here together. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the truth of your word, that you do love us completely and totally and fully in Jesus, and we can rest in that. I thank you that you love us enough to come to us to do what we could never do, to give us your very spirit, to come and take residence in us, to gift us in different ways for your glory, for the good of others. I pray that you would help us to walk fully in that, that we would walk out of the identity of who we already are, of what we already have received in you, that we would begin to live more fully out of that. I pray that you give us a clear prompting and leading of your spirit. I pray that you would help bring to surface the gifts that we do have right here, that you would uh, prompt us, guide us, uh, encourage us to be involved in serving one another and to reaching out to those that don't yet know you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.